Welcome to Teacher Thrive, the podcast for educators who want to thrive, not just survive in their profession, with your hosts, certified coaches and teachers, Madel Mazella and Caitlin Rabai. I feel like there's a lot of teachers who have very low levels of self-confidence, especially when they get into a situation where they feel like they're maybe being challenged like by a parent. That confidence seems like it falters right away and then we can just fall apart internally. I think when we talk about parents, especially when we're having a meeting with parents, I, I always feel like I have to over-prepare and kind of center myself because I want the meeting to go well. I feel mm-hmm. like as teachers, we always think it's just they don't think we're on the same side, but we all are on the same side. I think, yeah, I feel like since I've done coaching, there's been kind of a shift in that for me a little bit. Going from feeling like I have to be the expert in that situation when I have a parent meeting, especially as the special education teacher when I'm sharing test results and the plan for that student and turning it a little bit as more of a partnership that I am there to listen and I'm there to collect all of the parent information because they know their student the best. So I think that's what's changed. in. And I think when I was younger too, I felt like I needed to prove myself a little bit more and the self-confidence was a little bit lower. So I felt like I had to show them all of the things that I know. And honestly, like no one cares. Parents don't care how much you know about special education or how to work with their student. They really care about you being a partner with them and showing how much you care about their student, not about how much you know about special education. Because if you don't have a relationship with that student, you pretty much can't do anything with most of them. And that's really changed the relationships that I have with a lot of the parents that I work with. Just being in partnership with them all of the time, making sure that I'm listening and I'm open versus having to know all of the answers all the time and having to be right about things like letting go of being right has been one of the biggest changes in my self-confidence because if I don't have to be right all the time like I'm like I'm just good I'm good over here 100% I think that's the key and I agree with you when you express and you have the conviction that we are in a partnership you know it rarely will go south we're not saying it's never going to go south you know we do have to face the fact that sometimes it does but really communicate Communicating that we have the child's best interest in our hearts as well, and we want them to succeed is just you de-escalate any sort of tension. More often than not, you would de-escalate any sort of tension because you're showing up authentically as the teacher who wants that child to do well and to be successful and to love the class and to love learning. So yeah, self-confidence when you're facing a situation like that is speaking your truth and if you're a teacher, you want the best for your for all your kids, right? Mm-hmm. So I think in my 17 years, that's what I have done when I've had to face parents who are concerned. You show concern as well and, and you say, let's develop this plan and I, I will keep you informed every step of the way and, you know, keep them informed and give them updates and have regular conversations with them. You develop such a beautiful relationship with the parents. I, till this day, have kids that we are in contact and when the parents happen to see 
see me in town, they give me a big hug and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, I remember when some parents bring food for you if they know that you like certain things. It's just, this is like the best case scenarios. And sometimes we do also have to acknowledge that it's not always perfect and beautiful and everything, but having that self-confidence is knowing that you have the kid's best interest at heart as well. I think a lot of times when it is one of those situations that's difficult, like with a difficult parent or having a difficult meeting, one of the things that's really important to do is examine your thoughts about that. So a lot of times we have preconceived notions about how we think this is going to go down, or we have a lot of thoughts about who we think that parent is, what we think they're doing right, what we don't think they're doing right. And we have thoughts about ourselves too. So taking some time before we have those kinds of meetings or those interactions and deciding on purpose how we want to think about this. Do we want to think of that parent as a partner? Do we want to think about how we can best help the student? Do we want to just go into the meeting completely open without having those preconceived notions? So sometimes it's really important to write those things down and see kind of where you're you're getting hung up before those things because it can really stop a lot of conflict. If you look at what limiting thoughts you have about yourself and about that relationship, that child and that parent and deciding on purpose, if you want to keep those thoughts or if you want to change them to something else can be super helpful because a lot of times we have thoughts that are like given to us by other people about students, about parents, like maybe somebody had a bad experience with a parent beforehand. So we can get into our heads and scare ourselves lower our self-confidence before we go into those things by being like, oh, this parent's so terrible. Like we had this awful meeting with them. Those things get in your head and can really break down your self-confidence if you don't step back and take a really thoughtful look at it before you have those kinds of hard meetings with people. Yeah. Um, Thinking about the worst case scenarios. Yeah. I loved all your suggestions. Also, so when to and how to have self-confidence when you are being observed. For me, what has worked is you prepare. You prepare and using all the strategies that you just said about reining in your thoughts, about any sort of worst case scenario during the observation. You know that your lesson needs to have a beginning, middle and end. So then work from there. Remember that you need objectives and like think of the observations as this is just we need a plan. And this is the plan instead of, oh my God, you know, what am I going to do? And I have these types of kids in this class. What if they come to that class? So having self-confidence in observations is preparing. You have to develop a plan and you follow that plan and then you execute the plan, period. All the thoughts that don't serve you, keep them in check. Yeah, I love having observations at this point because they always come out so funny, like with the kids they work with for some reason. Like there will always be something. I would think the last one that I had this year, the student that I was working with, he ate goldfish the entire time. He was just stuffing his face with goldfish. And I try to go into observations being like, this isn't going to go the way you think it's going to. And just having that expectation for myself because the students that I work with are so individual and unique. So that's just the way it works in my job. I don't get to have the perfect lessons. I think that maybe you guys have in high school where like everybody does the thing they're supposed to do. I just know (laughs) that it's probably not going to go the way that I've planned it. I know that I can roll with that and make changes and change the things to the way 
that they're supposed to be that's best for my students learning because I think that's what my principals have noticed about me too is that I don't get hung up on small details of stuff and that has helped to build my self-confidence in things that I don't get flustered when things go wrong I just anticipate that they probably won't go the way that I've planned it to go and that's okay like it's not going to be a perfect day it's not going to be a perfect learning experience every single time and we can still kind of meet those objectives without it looking picture perfect like I want it to all the time just letting go of a lot of those expectations that I put on myself for it to be really on schedule those things that I think a lesson should be and just making it about my student and what they need at that moment versus what I want to show in that moment has made a huge difference in the level of confidence that I go into my observation. You brought up a really good point because we teach human beings. So acknowledging them as people first speaks loads about, you know, the kind of teacher that you are. There is a plan and then there is the reality. And for high school is much different because when the kids are older and you let them know, listen, if anyone walks walks <laughs> into our classroom and you are doing some sort of shenanigans, you will break my heart. Let's make it about us. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because high school kids could be difficult sometimes, but they sort of understand if there is a stranger in the classroom and that person is there for the entire period, they kind of give you like a wink, like, oh, I know what's happening. I will be good for you. <laughs> when that happened, but Caitlin, when that happened, I die laughing in like the middle of the lesson. I, and then we have like a little in, endearing moment. And that is the best. And I'm like you, like I, I have a plan and I prepare and I have all the things. So I know that when we are doing the post-op, I can speak with conviction about my plan and the purpose for everything that we do. So, but then there's the reality. And then when that happens, I go with it because first and foremost is my kids. So if that happens and I laugh and we laugh and we have a little moment and I'm my silly self with them, whether I'm being observed or not, I love that. And it really paints a clear picture of the report. And yeah, so but that speaks also about being authentic, right? You're not teaching robots. Some kids could be having a hard day that day. So acknowledging them and still treat them as people is just what's gonna make you feel very confident and kind of centered in your decision about teaching the person first. Yeah. And then if it comes up and, you know, during the observation, why was this kid late or whatever, you will be able to speak with conviction and with the knowledge because you know your kids instead of like trying to make it perfect. There is no such thing. You're teaching kids. You're teaching other people. I think one of the things that can really break people's confidence is comparison like to other teachers. So I wanted to talk a little bit about how we can not fall into that trap of comparing ourselves to other people that we work with. Because I know like one of the teachers I work with, we all always say when we grow up, we want to be her, which is really cute and stuff because we love her. But also, I think a lot of people compare themselves to the people that they think are the best teachers in the school. And that can really bring our self-confidence down a little bit. So how do we stop ourselves? from falling into that trap of that compare and despair mentality when we're teaching? In my opinion, healthy comparison is great because I also have the people that I'm like, wow, 
she is a baddie, you know, Mm -hmm. I want to be like her. Mm -hmm. And that's healthy by you acknowledging the strengths in others, you're not taking anything away from your strengths. So Mm -hmm. sometimes that's actually good, because you can emulate what's good. So from people, you could take what's good and leave the things that don't serve you or just take the good, right? We get into trouble when we think that they're better and we are less or we're not enough. We didn't go to that school. You know, when we put ourselves as less, that's when I feel like comparison is detrimental to our well-being. So the trick is that you acknowledge your strengths as well. For example, I know, like I'm very aware of my accent and how, sometimes I wish I was like more articulate. Sometimes I cannot think of words that I know, but in the moment I, for whatever reason, I'm like, I can think of the word. And I would love to emulate people that are more articulate, but in no shape or form, I put myself down because I say, wait, I have really high vocabulary in both languages. So like acknowledging your strengths as well is the key. And then also having humor about when I cannot think of the word, I say something funny because I'm like, wow, I am thinking in Spanish right now, but acknowledging your strengths as well. Yeah. And I think watching the way that we talk to ourselves too, in our internal self-talk and making sure that we're being positive with ourselves as much as we possibly can versus kind of tearing ourselves down. Having those self-talk patterns, if you are constantly thinking thoughts about those types of things and like bringing yourself down that can really lower our self-confidence if we practice those types of things all the time. And that's one of the biggest things that I learned in coaching was to watch how I'm treating myself inside my own head. Because for a very long time, my goat was not nice to myself. That inner mean girl that is criticizing and doing all of those things inside of my head was very active and making sure that we're checking that and saying the things to ourselves that we actually want to say intentionally versus the automatic stuff that we've picked up over years and years of thoughts about ourselves. Sometimes they're not even thoughts that we pick. They're like ones that other people have said that have gotten ingrained in our brain. So taking time to acknowledge those and decide if we want to keep those, if they're serving us, or if we want to let those go or change them to something else. I think it's really important for self-confidence. Yeah. Authenticity comes to mind. When you know yourself well, and you know your strengths and your weaknesses, but you don't use your weaknesses against yourself. That's the most important thing. You're not trying to be someone you're not. You just have to really, really, really know yourself and accept yourself. That's the work that needs to be done if you want to have self-confidence. If you acknowledge, for example, I sometimes forget my words. I'm thinking in one language and then if I switch to Spanish and I cannot think of the word that I need in English or vice versa and accepted. It's okay. The world is not going to crumble because I don't remember a word. Like it happens to everybody. But if you think, oh, you know, it's because this and this and that, and they're more articulate, it's just not going to help you. If you don't try to be someone you're not, accept yourself. It's all going to be good. Mm-hmm. All good. Because you're going to show up with like your energy is different when you're just being yourself. It makes me think of when I had to teach eighth grade math and I have no idea what I'm doing as far as eighth grade math and accepting that that didn't make 
be less of a teacher or less of a person that I don't remember what we did in eighth grade and understanding that I can relearn these things. I might have to do it every session before I work with a student. I'm capable of learning that I know how to figure these things out and sharing that with the student that I was working with too. I have no idea what I'm doing, but we're going to figure this out together. And I think that also like that authenticity helps those students that I work with who have learning disabilities or learning challenges too, that they see that an adult who has a job is also not understanding how to do eighth grade math. It's not just you in eighth grade. We just can't be the expert in every subject. It helps if we're knowledgeable, obviously, and we are, but accepting that we just don't know it all is okay. So when we try to be like, oh yes, I'm a teacher and I know about this and I know about that and I know about all about all the dates in history, you you don't. Then that's okay. And you don't yeah. have to. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. You don't have to be the expert. You don't have to be. There are people that are very knowledgeable in a in a range of topics and, and subjects. And that's okay. You know soft skills that you have and how far that could take you? Acknowledging your strengths is how you build your self-confidence. And stay in your lane. Stay in your lane because you will be miserable if you compare yourself to other people. Acknowledge your strength and stay in your lane. You put you put your blinders on, it's going to be delicious. I love that so much. So we're going to work on our self-confidence levels, working on our thoughts and how we feel about ourselves. And if you do any of the self-confidence work, let us know how it goes for you. That's all for this episode of Teacher Thrive. We'd love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics, so please reach out to us. Links to our websites, freebies, and social media accounts are included in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.